Welcome to the Close Knit Podcast, a podcast that aims to hold space for conversation to be had about the ways we use fiber to process life and world events. You're listening to episode 49 of the Close Knit Podcast, and this week I spoke to Charlotte X.C. Sullivan, one of two folks who run May West, a textile innovation collaboration between Charlotte and Elena. Charlotte walks me through how May West formed through connection and feeling, and how this has continued to inform their work with Milkweed. We discuss the ways that clothing and fashion can serve as armor, a way to cloak and protect yourself through circumstances in life. She explains to me how her collaboration with Elena began, and how their expression of feeling has impacted their process, and how they intend to imbue their clothing with purpose and meaning through each stage of production. Charlotte tells me about the evolution of May West's design studio from drop spinning of milkweed fibers to its current iteration, jackets using milkweed batting as insulation, and how this iterative process has unfolded over time through prototypes and experiments. We discuss the importance of local manufacturing and how they've managed this production process thus far. What I think is most special about this chat is the way that it unfolded from a place of curiosity, something I am realizing is such an important part of my own practice and this podcast, and it was interesting to see that mirrored in the way that Charlotte tends to work. I knew very little of milkweed and its practical uses, and I found it incredibly intriguing to hear Charlotte and Elena's collaborative approach towards Mae West. I feel I need to disclose that the circumstances of this podcast making were a first for me. I recorded it in a friend's house in Hobart and had little control over the external auditory circumstances, so please bear with me if the audio quality is a little less than you've come to expect. This was an experiment in dedication for me, seeing if it's possible to continue creating content as usual without my safe setup, so thank you for giving me space to try that. Listen on for my whole chat with Charlotte. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, it's Ani of Close Knit, and I'm here with Charlotte Sullivan of May West. Hey, Charlotte. Hi, Ani. How's it going? It's going really well. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I know we have like a really uh, tricky time difference between us where like it's the morning on a Monday for me and it's like Sunday night for you. So thank you for taking your Sunday night to talk to me. You're welcome. (laughs) Much appreciated. Um, Where are you? I'm in Bristol, Vermont in the United States. Bristol, Vermont. What's it like there? Well, spring is finally happening here. There's some leaves out on the trees, and it's a really exciting time of the year. We're probably out of the threat of frost, so it means you can start planting things in the ground. Grass is really green. This is a time of year when the landscape color returns to the landscape. It's no longer shades of grays and and browns and whites, but Mm -hmm. green and red and yeah, just all sorts of tones. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's a really special time of the year. 
Yeah, and it would be especially the case because it would be so cold and snowy the rest in the winter, I imagine. It's a long winter. <laughs> it's a long, yes. And and just, you know, the just having overcast skies, having that really change and have the sun return and blue is really great. Mm, yeah, yeah, that must be so lovely. Um, yeah. So I want to ask you if, to just describe to me somebody who knows nothing or, you know, any of our listeners, what is Mae West? Sure. So May West is a design studio and we are currently creating jackets that use milkweed floss as an alternative to feather down or any kind of synthetic down that you might be familiar with, like Thinsulate, for example. Mm -hmm. um, milkweed is a native North American plant and has incredible thermal um, uh, thermo property or insulatory properties. And it's also naturally water repellent, um, and buoyant. So that's another fun fact. Um, but, but what's so extraordinary about it is how warm it is. Uh, it's warmer than wool and that it's naturally water repellent. So we see this as being a really, um, having really amazing, properties as a future fiber, whether it's in jackets um, or other things too, but we're primar primarily using it in the form of insulation and jackets. Yeah, right. Okay. So I want to go back to what really, I mean, I know you've talked a bit about what milkweed is, but like, how the heck did you figure out that all these things about milkweed and how did you stumble on milkweed? And I like told a friend the other day about that I was going to be talking to you and that about milkweed. And he was like, Oh, I love milkweed. It's so interesting. And I was like, what? How do you know anything about milkweed? <laughs> yeah. So milkweed, it's so the name, the word weed is in milkweed because it's classified as a weed. Mm. Um, I have over 10 years as a farmer. It's not my primary means of employment right now, but um, I have worked on a lot of different farms throughout my life. Um, and so I'm familiar with it from working in, in that context. Mm. And um, though all those years that I was farming, I was also working as an artist and a designer. And I think part of what my process is in those roles is always look always wondering um if you could do the opposite of what makes sense what would end up happening so when you think about milkweed in the context or in relation to a farm it's something that you don't want you want to eradicate it it's spreading into places you don't want it to be so while that is a a truth on many farms i always wondered as I always do with other things as well, like what else could this be? What is mm -hmm. another, is there another way to look at what this plant is? And part of the reason for that is because it's a, a very um, ephemeral and beautiful material when it goes to seed. A lot of people have the experience of playing with the, with the floss, which is the parachute thing that attaches to the seed. Um, so, you know, making observations about these other ways that the plant exists in the world besides competing for crops that you want to be growing in, in places you don't necessarily want milkweed yeah. was really the thing that triggered a curiosity for mm. me into what it, it, what it could be. Yeah. And that's really where it began was from 
making the choice to, I think, explore that curiosity and paradox of what that plant is. Yeah. So then what did that kind of look like from that? So it feels like it was a curiosity and then it led to what it is now. Kind of what are the steps between there and here? (laughs) So the steps between there and here um, were first doing, first learning that in colonial times in the United States, the Mm. floss was actually spun, was used to make wicks for candles. So then I went down, then I did a quick, like quick blast of of project making into candles with hand drop spindle spun wicks because I was like oh my gosh if we got beeswax from the farm and the milkweed floss as a wick we'd literally be burning the light of the of the land so I did that just quickly just as like a thing to knock out to get to the net to like where it would go just like quick I just like had some bottle cap oh, just casually I borrowed a drop spindle. I made it happen. But I was like, all right, this is great, but this is hard. It was really hard to to spin it because the yeah. fibers are super straight. They're not crimpy. Um, they're sort of brittle. They break apart. I was like, all right, this isn't it, but I know there's something else here. Mm. But I'm not a textile expert. I don't know how to knit. I don't I'm it's I'm very drawn to lots of material things, but it's not my realm of expertise whatsoever. So I did an artist residency a couple of years ago that um, that Elena, who is my collaborator in May West, had had just recently completed at right around the time when I was really exploring the exploring this curiosity. And I knew probably from social media that she was working with textiles in a more formal and serious way. She had just completed a residency at the Textile Art Center in Brooklyn. Mm, yep. We were we were both living in Brooklyn at the time. So I thought, okay, I think the next step is to try to reach out to her to see if she's ever worked with this or has any ideas. Um, a lot of time, I really like collaborating and working with other people. So I felt like that was the most obvious thing to just reach out to someone of a like mind and who was just coming out of the wilderness because this, the artist, the the residency that I did and she did is um, called Cabin Time. It's a um, uh, roaming artist residency to remote places. So I knew we would both have this kind of connection to wild places. Anyway, so Mm. I connected with her and talked asked her about the idea and she hadn't really ever done anything with milkweed but we really had an immediate connection Mm. and it just you know it was it there was a feeling between us that felt really right and I think that that we've we've kind of continued to work together from that feeling since um yeah so really lovely (laughs) yeah um so we just kind of experimented with it since then and we've both been across the country a couple of times we've had we've each had really individual kind of changes a lot of transitions have happened in our personal lives that was the last time that we were living in the same place we really only lived together in the same city for a couple of weeks 
And um, so May West has been has has really been an anchor for both of us um, through all of what has happened since 20. That was the fall of 2015. Mm, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's yeah, it's been an anchor and therefore has really been able to evolve and 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 grow mm. in relation to everything else that's been happening in our lives collectively. Hmm. So you're drop spinning these milkweed <laughs> floss, milkweed floss. Is that what you would call that at that point? So it's like, yeah. you know, there's wool roving, it's milkweed floss. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So you're drop spinning these, you've tried these candles, you meet Elena, you start yep. talking about things. What do these early stages of May West conception look like? <laughs> <laughs> so it looked like me um, sending Elena bags of milkweed pods and she would very roughly de-seed the, well, do her best to de-seed them, but not always create jackets from scratch, um, based on designs and, you know, visual ideas that we were both really inspired by stuff the floss into jackets that she was just making by hand um, in her studio or her space in Philadelphia at the time, and then send them to me to try on and to wear and sort of take with me on adventures, which at that time was in the Bay Area of California. Um, so that was one iteration and just we would wear them and experience them in the world and see how like, again, like see how it, see how they felt. Um, have what our stories were, I think, while we were working with the material and also wearing what those early prototypes were, impact what we were also doing um, with our lives. How did, how did the jacket, like, how did the first idea for the jacket come, though? Because I don't, I mean, it might seem really natural for you, oh. but like you were in candle land and then you were like, okay, jackets. <laughs> okay, well... So yeah, that's a really good question. And I, so I guess it's two, it happened in two ways. One, we were really nervous to Google milkweed being used as an insulation or some configuration of that because we really did feel like we were onto something exciting and we're scared that if we were going to, if we Googled it, we'd be like, oh, this is not, you know. Someone's already so done we, this. And, right. Yeah. yeah. So we overcame our fear and we Googled it. And what we learned was that actually during World War II, milkweed was not used in jackets, but was used in life preservers. And this was mm. because the supply for K-pop, which is a similar, um, has similar properties as milkweed in that it's mainly that in that it's buoyant, mm. was cut off during World War II. And so it was used it had this, it, it had this other use. Obviously, life jackets aren't the same as winter coats. Um, but it was compelling to find that there had been this other use for the material, mm. you know, in a way that was sort of just similar to how we might think about also using it. Yeah. When we dug a little deeper and we found out that, well, it also is really warm and warmer than wool and is plant, you know, all these other things. It just seemed like uh, the just the the right manifestation to try in terms of using it, and I think Elena and I, as artists, have a similar um, approach to or kind of you kind of think about wearable garments 
as similarly as as being um or how can i say this like Mm. um a jacket is is a really functional thing Mm. especially for both of us who do a lot of physical work outside and the outdoors but we also shared a common language and meaning i think in how what we wear also serves this other purpose that's more on more spiritual. So we saw kind of an opportunity to combine the practical use and functionality of a jacket kind of with this other way that we are each using our clothing with milkweed to make something that was hopefully like more the sum of those parts. Um, so I think that's maybe the best way to answer the question. <laughs> totally. No, and I, I think that actually um, I know that it's hard to articulate and you're a little bit like, how do I say this exactly? Yeah. But I think you're right on to something around this idea that like this, everything that you've done has been very feelings-based and very feelings-driven. And I think that unfortunately, a lot of what we're taught and a lot of the way that we're taught to validate things is well, it's really to invalidate feeling and to invalidate as that, that as being something that's actually incredibly important to a person's practice or their monetary work or whatever it is that they're doing or our relationships to our clothing. And I think it's really interesting to hear you talk about the way in which this project has kind of accompanied both of you during times of like transition and distance between you. Um, cause I think that that's potent for potentially, potentially even the wearer. And I'd love to hear more if you feel comfortable sharing. This podcast normally gets really deep into people's real lives in a big way. And you absolutely, by all means, are, you, you lead this conversation and you set the boundaries 100%. So anything you do not want to share, you absolutely do not have to. However, I want you to know that this is very much a, a vehicle for people talking about um, processing their own life and world events through their fiber practice. And it sounds very much like there's maybe a lot of, a lot to that for you, Annalena. And, and if you felt like sharing any of that, I would absolutely love to hear it. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I, um, so one of my favorite quotes from the late Bill Cunningham, do you know who Bill Cunningham? Bill Cunningham. No. Uh-uh. Um, Bill Cunningham uh, passed away a couple of years ago, and he what took amazing fashion photography for the New York Times, street mm. photography. And he has this amazing quote, which is that fashion is the armor to survive the reality of everyday life. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. so highly recommend checking him out. Yeah, you probably read about it and be like, yeah, I kind of feel like I knew about this little, at least like the legend of who this guy was. Mm. But anyway, um, he's, I just wanted to share that quotation because I feel like he's using the word fashion in there, but I feel like, and that makes sense to me and resonates with me. Mm. But I think, um, part of why I connect with that so much is because Mae West has been like as I said it's been an anchor and it's um has also been armor for me to survive the reality of everyday life and I think that that um I I think is something that I was thinking about even before Mae West started and now that it's becoming more and more real and growing it's interesting to feel how powerful 
um, I think believing in, in a statement like that and applying it into my life in other ways has, the, the power has really manifested into something greater. Mm. Um, I think the first thing that Elena and I worked on together, even before we were using milkweed was I had always wanted to fly. I had always wanted to take a red eye flight to California and spend the weekend there with bringing like nothing with me, like just like getting on the plane and going and having, you know, having the time and then coming back. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I did that right after meeting Elena, pretty soon after meeting Elena, um, and actually was going out to meet our friends, uh, through cabin time at high desert test sites, which was, a um, kind of uh art installation event in the desert which happened in utah in the fall that year Mm. but i had elena create something for me to wear throughout the time that i was on this trip Mm. and the 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 idea um or the reason for that was because i really wanted to feel like she was there because it felt like if she was there that the time would be even more uh, powerful or um, impactful than it could be versus if it was just myself. And so for me, like we both really believe in magic. And so that was an act of magic for me to have her make something and then to wear that the whole time that I was there traveling, sleeping out, um, you know, in the canyon and then coming all the way back, um, to the East Coast, um, sort of that that was even before we started working together but in a way that that was the first thing that we decided to collaborate on I think has set the stage for how we've really infused we've continued to infused um, modern day magic and belief in that type of of power mm-hmm. into everything that we've done and um, it's something that is I think really fundamental to how we work together and something that we never want to lose and is like a reason for um, making for each of us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I like, I feel like it's difficult to uh, articulate in over the radio or over podcasts, over the internet airwaves, how uh, that makes me feel. And um, how my face is like reacting and how I get like little body tingles and like my heart just kind of did a flutter. You know, it's like, it's like, how do I express what was just happening inside my body? Um, how do I articulate that properly? Because, um, the concept of, of clothing as armor, the idea of armory, armor has come up in my life a few times recently, like in conversation, people talking about armoring up to go into the world and how, I really had to think very hard about this concept because I very much feel like I don't do that <laughs> and how maybe there are little things that I am doing that help me kind of armor up. And I noticed at a, I went to a friend's house for dinner the other night and there were like a lot of sounds and a lot of people talking. And I found myself on the couch holding this velvet pillow, just like stroking it 
just rubbing it up and down and realizing that like there's so much in this like tactility and so much in garments and clothes and things that I wear and can touch and have this really, yeah, tactile sensation around that is totally my version of armor or emotional armor that people kind of put on when they go out into the world, if that makes sense. (laughs) Definitely. Well, the tactability and so many people have, I don't, mean to generalize here but I feel like people have it's uh there's like a disembodiment that a lot of people experience in the ways that they're working whether that's because they're on a computer or because you're Mm. sitting or in the same position and so I'm just saying like this disembodied because you're not moving in a lot of different in a you know diverse kind of ways and um or, but it translates to material, materiality too, and how mm. you're experiencing the shell that you're in, which is what your clothes are. Mm. Um, so yeah, that definitely makes sense to me. And I think it's important for us with, with our work to, and in any way we can, I think, bring about an awareness to that disconnection. Mm. Um, because I think the more that it, the less that it's disconnected in human in humans to the the environment outside of people's workplaces, um, I think the healthier we all are. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's this ability to to uh, think of other or out outside of your body as maybe more part of you, or maybe this level of awareness of like interdependence and maybe an ability to then like empathize more greatly. And maybe that's like, part of me feels like it's a slightly naive conception of that. And like, it's totally how I... how I think of the world is like maybe this very small thing of like clothing myself and thinking very intentionally about it is how I engage with um, greater world change. But I I also kind of believe that there is like a a real power in that. Definitely. No, there definitely is. Um, I was, I don't know if it, I don't mean to take up the airwaves with reading something else, but I wanted to just read read this other thing. (laughs) Please. No, absolutely. I'm here for this. Send you this article if you haven't seen it, but this, and it's a really long article, but it was really worth reading. And it's about this woman named, I'm hopefully pronouncing her name correctly, Anne Moore Sundbow, and she's from Norway. And she's really passionate about Norwegian sweaters. And so there's, so I'm just going to read this um, excerpt from that article, which connects to this topic that you're bringing up now. And it's that she says, today we consider crafts like knitting or weaving to be skills, embodying techniques that can be learned. We may even concede that art is involved, by which we mean that the work involves imagination, creativity, and inspiration. Um, but she argues that even these definitions are missing something. In ancient times, textiles and the stories woven into them embodied a direct spiritual transmission from the mm. maker to the recipient, a transmission that was both a literal and a figurative form of protection from danger mm. and evil. <laughs> a well-spun thread was not only even and strong, it also carried the spinner's spirit. So too with a well-woven garment, which Sundo believes delivered a blessing encoded in every aspect of its creation from the gathering, carding, and spinning of the wool to be to, to the weaving, knitting, and embroidering of the final garment. 
So the the word that stands out to me from that and that I think resonates with me the the most is transmission because I fully believe that it's not the craft matters, the intention or like the concept matters, but there's this other component, I think, to what to what we make and to what matters to Mae West that involves that spiritual level. Um, and anyway, so I, I have been thinking about that since <laughs> given what your work is too. And I think that just hit, that just touches on it for me. And it's so funny how we read that now. We're like, oh man, yeah, that really, that makes sense and seems so missing. And yet it's something that used to be the way it was. Mm. This is just the norm. This is just how we interact with things. Yeah. 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 yeah that's amazing. That's just a part of how we make and a, and a belief that's real. Like it's not, you know, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll feel like this, but that it, you know, was, you know, uh, truth for, I don't know. So. And for, yeah, like a whole group, a whole region of peoples. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, what I want to know then is in prototyping these jackets and getting to a point where you're thinking about like production, how do you, I guess I just want to hear you talk about like how you might then take these ideas and this idea of like imbuing things with meaning and this transmission, how do you kind of begin to apply these to production? Well, that's a great question. I think right now, I think the answer is really in help is in telling the story as best that we can about the relationship that milkweed has to the ecology of areas where it's growing in relation to um, pollinators Mm. And so milkweed is the host plant for monarch, but monarch butterflies. Mm. So monarchs will only lay their eggs on, on milkweed and no, yeah. nothing else. Okay. So when you think about, so I've since, since this project, I've become, I've planted milkweed and I've done my best to kind of create these monarch way stations for monarchs to um to lay their eggs and reproduce um and i've had been fortunate to have enough time to really observe what it looks like to observe a life cycle of a monarch going through a full metamorphosis and when you watch a butterfly when you watch a butterfly um when you see a butterfly being created out of plants out of like a caterpillar just eat just eating leaves and then it somehow turns into a butterfly and flies all the way to mexico it's like you're like <laughs> and it's like that's all we are like we just eat plants and like keep on keeping on but we don't <laughs> fly away like on our own so I think the the magic and for for us right now because we're we're not we're not necessarily creating everything we're making by hand with that mm. type of human touch that's going into you know weaving every strand and leaving the mark. Yep. I think where it's coming in right now is wanting to with this product create a 
relationship between people and materials that helps helps us to understand that we're we're all on this continuum together and Mm. there's not a lot of separation between us and insects and plants and fiber and insulation like it's it's all so deeply connected in ways that are like more tangible with something like this than Mm. you know something else I guess so I think that's that's for me the place where we have an opportunity to share this kind of interconnectivity um I think right now yeah yeah and I guess how do you feel like or like through what means do you feel like you're wanting to do that like is it talking to people is it podcasts is it you know what does that look like yeah I think it's I think it's definitely talking about it I think Mm. it's about um having working with a scale right now that's small enough to be able to have mm, direct no I don't want to say direct relationships with people who are potentially going to own these jackets but Mm. um working at a scale where there's enough like human connection so that people um understand like understand the origin story of Mm. of the materiality of what this item of clothing is um I think it's I think that's kind of what it looks like is um even if we do scale like right now work with a number where we're able to still be able to share yeah, um, yeah. as as much as we can because that's so important we don't we want to make sure that people understand that that's the narrative like it's a narrative based product yeah and what does that look like right now so cuz it kind of went from elena like hand stuffing these like slightly deseated <laughs> garments to being what it is now which I imagine is different but I don't yeah what does that look like so what it looks like now is um we work with milkweed in a batting form and yeah so we are really fortunate to work with um a company that's based in Nebraska in the United States and they uh have been working with milkweed in one way or another for the past 30 or so years. And currently they have their own business. They make pillows with milkweed and comforters. Um, but they, for the past couple of years have been want, have been wanting to keep figuring out new ways to work with it because as, as interesting as it is to use it in raw form, it's not, it's not easy. So mm. they've been pro- they've been doing a lot of R and D in how to in how to make it into a, a batting where then you can cut it and mm. quilt quilt with it and so we connected with them um, several years ago and have been working with them um, since that time and so hopefully in the next couple of months we'll be able to um, get some batting that that they're working on producing that will be wide enough for us to be able to use because the material that we've been using recently is fair. It's only about 12 inches wide. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's been, um, that's been challenging. We've made, we've made it work, but it'll be really wonderful to have a wider, to just have a wider piece of material. Um, yeah. 
So we've been really fortunate to work with them because as you can imagine, if we were doing all of that work on our own, it's almost like a whole other project um, yeah, to, yeah. you know, new material development. And so we feel very grateful that they've been so supportive of, um, of, of providing that material for us is, and is, you know, because we were so small scale um, mm-hmm. and just that they've been um, excited to, to, to help us with our ideas is, is really cool. So mm. that's what it's looking. Yeah. So we're not using it in raw form. I still, we both still use raw, the raw material, like for our own personal projects. Mm. Um, and I highly recommend anyone listening to make their own pillows with it. It's super, it's really fun, but it takes a lot of time and to do, to scale it up. It's hard to use just in a raw state. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. There's two things here. The first one is that it's just, I think it's really interesting that like they've been doing, they've been working with milkweed for decades, right? Yeah. But that you like have only, I just feel like there are so many instances of this where there are people working with these things and it's kind of older traditions, but they're missing the kind of like, I mean, I don't want to say modern, but like modern in air quotes kind of element that would make this palatable to um, a millennial-ish market or like would connect them to a person who would be able to get it out on the internet, whatever, whatever. Like that part of it I think is so interesting and so integral to this type of like textile innovation and like slow fashion and US made kind of going forward. Um, How did you guys make that connection? Wow. I mean, I think we, when we, when we conquered the, the fear of Googling, we probably found them (laughs) because they're on, you know, they're on there. You can Google them and you, you know, if you want to buy a milkweed comforter, you can buy one from Mm. them. And so I think we found, we just found them. And then I was, um, driving back across the country, um, and thought, okay, well, probably you should stop in and meet them and see what's up. So um, I called and kind of gave them, you know, gave them some info about the project that we were working on, which at that time was really in its infancy and was fortunate. It's a family run business and just they were really welcoming. And I was so fortunate to be able to just stop and um, Mm. visit their facility and learn more about what they were doing there. Um, I, I, yeah. So I think we, that was how we found them. And, Mm. you know, we've, we, this is, we're, we're just so genuinely excited about this project that I think that, that energy was continued to be infused in all of the communications that we had with them after the fact. And I honestly feel like that, has been the glue that's kept them motivated to stay in touch with us and to, mm. you know, negotiate with needs that we have or interests that we're looking to fulfill. Um, we're just, it's, it's really authentic for us. And I really think that it is for them, but mm. it's, you really, you raise a really good point and I, about people that may have been working in, in some type of manufacturing realm for years, but just haven't kind of 
have the right sort of niche into a certain certain kind of aspect of a of a particular market and i think the relation they recognize i don't want to put word speak for them but there's a it's a mutually beneficial relationship that we have and i think that's another really important part of our work with may west is to not just create a you know a beneficial new product to exist in the world, but to also sort of change economic models of operation that are also, that are also beneficial rather than competitive or combative. We only see ways that we can help one another working with them. Um, yeah. Yeah. So especially that they're in a rural place too. Yeah, right. They've so they've got the batting, but then what happens with like the outer material and what's what is that made of and who's where is that happening? Yeah, so it's still in process, but right now we're mm-hmm. we've the latest prototypes we've been using um a soy-based wax cotton canvas. Mm. Um that's made in the UK and then the inner mm. liner is st- actually Elena's traveling uh next week to kind of find visit a place to see if she can source like the right type of liner but Mm. there's we there's a material called cupra um but they unfortunately didn't have the exact one that we wanted so anyway it's a it's a kind of cotton mix with that um so it's still in process but yeah it would be amazing to have you know, all components of it be all sourced within the U.S. But Mm. I think right now, um, if we can at least make, if we can at least have it be all plant-based, that's our, I think our standard that we're trying to go for. Um, and without any, you know, without any polyester, um, anything in it. (laughs) Can you tell me a little bit more about Cupra? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, maybe, I mean, it's definitely, I think it's like a, it's sort of like, it feels slightly like rayon. So I'm pretty sure it's a tree pulp, like a tree pulp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think so too. I I have only, again, recently heard about this with the friend who really likes milkweed. He was like, how have you heard about Cupra? And I was like, I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the swatches that we had were like silk. There were, there were, and it was neat because they were slightly translucent. And so we were excited Mm. about potentially having a liner that would allow you to be Mm. able to see some of the milkweed through. um, Because right now the prototype that we have doesn't allow you to see it which is yeah you know it's yeah. not that, that would be world, special but yeah you could see yeah. it so yeah, yeah. but oh, i should I'm curious do, to i have see more homework to do on the yeah no so do i it was totally just like it was a left of field question because i don't i don't really know enough about it either well and it's funny because you know i didn't i kind of feel like i excuse me as like a fiber person I feel like I should know, you know, I'm like, yeah, I know, I know what all the fibers are. And like, no one can tell me some new fiber I've never heard of or some like textile innovation thing. And then I was like, what is this milkweed thing? What is this, you know, Cupra? What what are you guys talking about? Like, I thought I was, thought I was hip to the lingo and I'm not. (laughs) That's, but you know, it's like, it just be, I mean, I'm like, I think, I think one thing that has been really special about this project is that it's 
there's there's goodness to not being an expert in everything. And I think it's, mm. we really care about being as, as informed and educated as and intentional as we can. But also, I really don't think this idea would have ever happened if both of us had been total experts on, on the field that we're now working in. Because mm. without knowing all there is to possibly know, it's meant that we've We've had to, we've come up with questions that, you know, perhaps the manufacturer that we're working with in Nebraska had never thought about or, um, other ways too. So on the one hand, it, it can be challenging, you know, when I'm like, Oh, I should know and I don't at the same time. I think we all should be more comfortable, like not knowing and then, but knowing how to find the answer and, and being comfortable doing research. Um, you know, so. Yeah, well, and that's what it, it seems like for the both of you. There's an element of following a curiosity and then mm-hmm. just being willing to research mm-hmm. and being willing to do the various parts of research that will lead you to, um, you know, a final product or garment or whatever. And having that kind of mindset of, um, curiosity, I think. That's also come up a lot for me lately and realizing like, oh, right. That is kind of why I do everything I do is like, it's just deep curiosity. <laughs> and also totally curiosity. Like, listening to the material, because I think, you know, mm. I think as an artist, that's one way that I've always, uh, I've always tried to work. Like, it's great if you have your vision and your idea and you're like, okay, like the, I, I got it. Like I have it in my head. I'm just going to like sketch it out and then make it. But it usually doesn't happen that way. You try using plaster, you try using wool, you, you know, any number of things and something about it isn't working. And it, usually what that means is you have to, you have to sort of surrender to what type of reaction you're, you're bodily having to a material you're using. So I think that's mm. also with Mae West, like we're, we, want to listen to what to the reaction that we're having to the materials that we're choosing and you know I think we have it we have a pretty good idea about what's going to work out next but it may be that we try it and it's still not right and I don't Mm. think we're really going to be settled until we both collectively like returning to the feelings of magic that were previously described like that's like until that is what it is it's not we know it won't be there. Um, Mm. and that's, I think that's another like important way to, to work with, with materials, especially natural materials too, Mm. because Mm. there's, yeah, there, there's an intelligence there. That's really important. Absolutely. So I know that everything is very much a work in progress right now. And it's very much coming back to feelings and what, you know, trying these things out and just seeing what happens. But um, as kind of summing this all up, could you tell me where you think that it might all be headed or what we should be looking forward to with Mae West? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so we're um, planning on doing a production run, um, hopefully within the next several months. And we would like to make about 50 jackets. So we're thinking about, right. yeah, thinking about this being a limited edition first run, an opportunity for us to really establish a proof of concept more than we ever have, um, Mm. to just to do some final testing, but also to really 
know that what we're producing is going to be viable and user friendly. Um, so <laughs> we, yeah. um, yeah, so we would love, um, to sell all of those jackets, um, ideally in maybe in a pre-sale way so that they're, um, sold even before they're produced so that we have, we know who they're going to after the fact, after mm. they're made. Um, and that's really what it looks like. And I think after, um, after that, I think we envision finalized coming to completion with that and then checking in to see, okay, um, based on what we've learned with the way that we had the, the way that these were produced, is this mm. something that we could do again? Is this something we could do again and do more of and just make it, you know, make the next step after that. I think that's always how we've worked. We've always gone step by step. What is the next mm. right thing? Um, we're very holistic in our, in how we work. And so I think that's the trajectory rather than thinking eight steps ahead and, you know, working, working towards that. Yeah. That's where we're looking at or looking towards going. So it's, it's exciting and it feels, um, more possible than ever, which, um, is a really good thing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, please keep us posted with that progress. However, whenever, um, thank you so much for being here. It's been lovely to talk to you. Yeah, it was great. Thank you for having me.